Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. And Caroline, I like to think of myself as a pretty savvy media literate consumer. As do I. Yeah, I'm not I'm not too easily swayed by commercials and such. Mm-hmm. Super Bowl, you know, the whole commercial hype. I don't even care about that. But recently I was on Tumblr, I believe. It was either Tumblr or Twitter. And I saw a link to a commercial for this product called Goldie Blocks that you can now find at Toys R Us and in a bunch of other smaller independent toy stores. And it is a toy specifically designed to get younger girls interested in engineering. And I clicked over and watched the commercial and I watched the whole thing. And by the end, I had goosebumps because not only was it very cute, but it essentially shows a, a horde of girls rushing into a toy store aisle and really just refusing to want to only have princesses to play with. Mm-hmm. And they were sick of it. And the background is like a children's choir singing We Are the Champions. <laughs> that that might have been what did it for me. <laughs> but either way, I immediately said to myself, we've got to do an interview with Debbie Sterling, who started Goldie Blocks, because we'd heard about Goldie Blocks from listeners, actually, a while ago when we did an episode about... Lego Friends, which mm-hmm. are the Legos that were specifically marketed and developed for girls. And so people said, hey, you got to do something on Goldie Blocks. And I was like, ah, well, I don't know. We don't normally do things on products. But after I saw that commercial, Caroline, I was sold. Well, uh, I mean, Debbie Sterling herself is, is really interesting. And, and I'll leave, you know, I'll let her talk about herself in the interview. But... She she has a typical upbringing. It sounded like her upbringing was a lot like mine, where she did play with blocks and stuff. Um, but she also was very like artsy craftsy, and you know had her dolls and things. But she went on to major in mechanical engineering at Stanford, uh, where she was really bothered by just the the fact that there weren't that many other women in her program. And um, she started to develop this idea after looking at some research and realizing that girls really uh, are driven by stories. Their their play is story driven. They're playing with a purpose, as she says. And so she got started on this this Kickstarter campaign. Actually, she did not go through some big traditional big box store company route. Yeah, it was incredible. This Kickstarter campaign was massively successful. They hit their goal and then some, which actually allowed them to expand the project beyond what she had originally intended. And all the while, it got so much media attention from places like The Atlantic and Forbes, TechCrunch, and so forth, because the idea of building a toy to excite girls about engineering is so revolutionary because I go to the toy store fairly regularly to, you know, get toys for my niece and such. And there really is such a pink and blue divide a lot of times mm-hmm. where on the boys side, it's so many cool things like erector sets and connects and neat Legos and a million kinds of Nerf guns. <laughs> and then the girls side is very much dolls and princesses. And I even asked her at one point, like, well, what's so wrong with dolls and princesses? You know, I had dolls and princesses. I'm sure many parents are thinking, what's so wrong with it? But it's not so much a campaign to get rid of princesses, Mm -hmm. but rather 
open up more options. Right. Yeah, absolutely. To to learn to play with, love and appreciate other types of toys. I mean, I had a bajillion Legos. My mother, I'm 29 years old and my mother still tells me how expensive they were. <laughs> because you had so many. But if only I feel like, I mean, I loved building stuff and I would I would build what was on the box, but I would also like build just random castles and stuff. Um, and so, I mean, yeah, to, to get more girls into that spatial reasoning, uh, you know, playing with engineering, engineering as something interesting, fun and accessible. That's that's the goal. Yeah. And I also wanted to, to pick her brain about this idea of the intersection of gender and toys, because what is mind boggling to consider is that kids start really forming their gender schema at three years old if not sooner. So absolutely the types of toys that are put in front of us can perhaps make a big difference about how we see the world and interact with it and how those early seeds of who we become are planted. So what do you say? Should we roll this interview with Debbie Sterling? Yeah, let's hear it. Yeah. So this is the first time we've done an interview like this on the podcast, really focusing on a specific product, but it touches on so many different things that we have talked about in the past in terms of, you know, obviously like the gender aspect, girls and STEM, uh, the whole Lego friends debate about gendered toys and all of that. So um, just want to talk to you um, for people who might not know the the backstory of Goldie Blocks. Can you uh, let us know how the idea came about? Sure. So I studied engineering at Stanford, and um, there weren't a lot of women in the program. So it it was um, it always bothered me. It was an incredible education and opened a lot of doors. And um, several years after I graduated from college. I was talking with a girlfriend, and we were complaining about the lack of women in engineering, and she argued that she became interested in engineering when she was a little girl because she had three older brothers. She played with their hand-me-down erector sets and Legos and Lincoln Logs, and that those toys taught her how to build and how stuff fits together, and um, that was where her passion for engineering was born. And at that moment, I just thought, oh, my gosh, it's not fair. Um, when I was a little girl, I grew up with, dolls and princesses and decorating and all of the typical girly stuff. And um, I felt like I was sort of cheated out of um, building this interest in engineering at a young age. And why is it that those toys are, quote, unquote, boys' toys? And so at that moment, I became obsessed with the opportunity and challenge of creating a toy experience for little girls that would uh, make engineering appealing and relevant for them. Um, now, when I was reading an article about this in The Atlantic, it talked about how you spent more than a year in that process just researching what kind of toy might do just that, foster that interest in engineering. So I was wondering what were some of the more compelling insights that you gained into how to attract girls to this toy to begin with? Well, the research I did, it was just fascinating. I talked with teachers and parents. I talked with nonprofit educators who did after-school programs getting kids interested in STEM. I talked to neuroscientists to understand the brain and how it works and how hormones play a role. I mean, I really just went pretty wide and deep. And um, 
some of the most interesting things that I learned and I personally observed with little girls was how much they loved reading and stories and narrative-based play. Whereas I would, I would observe boys playing and it was kind of just build it up and knock it down. And it was just fun to play things for the sake of building and there didn't have to be a point. Whereas girls, um, really enjoyed playing when there was a purpose or a character involved or we're doing something for this goal. And so um, that research um, really led me to my aha moment, which was combining building and reading together. So instead of just the building, just the math and science or analytical skills, incorporating the storytelling and verbal element into the play as a way to appeal to girls. Um, it really was in line with all of the research that I was doing, but it wasn't until I started prototyping this idea of a storybook of Goldie, the Goldie Blocks, the girl engineer, and you build along with this character that I really found kind of firsthand girls just getting into it and building along with the character. Yeah, I was going to ask just for the uh, sake of our listeners, if you could give a quick synopsis of Goldie Blocks and the spinning machine, because there's the, the storybook that goes along with it, and it prompts them to build these machines with the, with the ribbon. Sure. So the concept is instead of an instruction manual um, that comes along with the building pieces, there's storybooks. And the product that is on the market right now is called Goldie Blocks and a Spinning Machine. And it is the first story where we meet Goldie Blocks, the character, and see where she lives and meet her pet. And um, in this first story, we meet Goldie's dog, Nacho. And he's always chasing his tail. And in the story, Goldie comes up with an idea to build a machine so he can chase his tail faster. And so throughout the book, Goldie is trying to figure out how to spin Nacho using a wheel and an axle and a pegboard and a crank, winding the wheel up with ribbon, sticking Nacho on top, pulling the ribbon, and he spins. And as the book progresses, her other friends want to spin too. And so step by step, the machine gets increasingly complicated until the end, the girls have actually learned how to build a functioning belt drive. And um, in the story, it, it really appeals to little girls because it has characters that they identify with, and the building sets come with a little character figurine, so you can really kind of play along with Goldie and build the machines that she builds. And the machines are sort of functioning and dynamic and moving, and um, they, they work, um, and they spin the characters. And so after the, the game is done, the girls can build all sorts of things with the pieces. But the storyline really gives them an entree into the building. Yeah, and I was going to ask, when you've done, I guess, beta testing on this, which sounds like really fun beta testing to do, um, how do girls react to the building slash engineering aspects of the game? It's, it's pretty cool to watch, I have to say. Um, at the very beginning of the book, we have the bill of materials, and so they're we identify all of the pieces that come with the kit. So the girls start learning vocabulary, um, words like axles and wheels and blocks and pegboard and those sorts of things. Um, and it's funny to see them kind of learn a new word and really own that word and start using it in daily life, which has been really cool to watch. Um, the other kind of amazing moment is when the girls build kind of the first thing where 
they um, wind the ribbon up and see how a wheel spins on an axle and kind of see the cause and effect of force in motion. Um, it's really kind of a, a delightful moment. Uh, over and over again, I've watched girls and their parents who aren't engineers kind of experience this and say, wow, we built something and it works. <laughs> and the more complex it gets, obviously, the more fulfilling it is. Until eventually, um, I, I've seen it firsthand, girls really start to build their confidence with this stuff, or maybe they're a little trepidatious at first. Uh, I've seen a lot of girls, myself included, are such perfectionists. We never like to get anything wrong. But the truth is, with Goldie Blocks, it's fun because you can't really do anything wrong. It's more about just trial and error and putting stuff together in different ways and seeing what happens. And that's really kind of the mindset that we're trying to build and reinforce with storyline. Um, now, you mentioned that, you know, obviously growing up, when when you were growing up, there was, there was nothing like Goldie Blocks for girls, but did you have any of those experiences when you were a kid growing up of building something, of, of kind of having that engineering aha moment for yourself, maybe with other kinds of toys, just out of curiosity? I actually didn't, um, but I, I think I was definitely always very creative, artistic, I loved craft projects, as a lot of girls do. And I do distinctly remember one incredible Halloween costume that I made with my two best friends when we were in second grade. We made a Chinese dragon. And one was the head, one was the body, and one was the tail. And we built this whole thing ourselves out of cardboard boxes and materials. It was so much fun. So I think that I had that kind of creative, crafty building spirit. But I never knew that that's what engineering was, and so it wasn't actually until high school, my senior year of high school, that I first heard the word engineering and my name in the same sentence. A math teacher said that she thought I should think about majoring in it, and I remember thinking that she was crazy. Why would she ever think that I liked engineering? And so part of my goal with Goldie Blocks is to expose girls to engineering, what it is at that younger age, and make it how creative and fun it can really be. Yeah, and um, I think also in that Atlantic article I mentioned earlier, you you compared how you know the the lack of or the limited number I should say of female engineers to that. You compare it to how there weren't very many female doctors a long time ago when it was just considered a man's profession. So, I mean, do you think that a toy can have? the power to have such a radical effect in terms of, you know, with this, of bringing something something closer, at least, to gender parity in engineering? Well, I, I think it is one small step in a much larger movement, but it's a great step. Uh, the, what Goldie Blocks has been able to do, which is so incredible, I mean, we have just one toy, but I say this every day, it's so much more than a toy. Um, it really is a movement. And by being the founder of Goldie Blocks, I get to go out and talk to people like you and share my story with the hope that that inspires people uh, to maybe rethink what engineering is or, or what an engineer is supposed to look like um, and hopefully kind of reframe it in people's minds. Because engineering is such an intimidating word, it's an intimidating concept. I didn't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole when I was growing up, and I really discovered a passion for it. So my hope with Goldie Blocks uh, the toy and my personal story and all of the stories of our fans that are 
pouring in, um, it's becoming a conversation starter. And hopefully people are starting to think about engineering and talk about it in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, well, just speaking in general from the about toys, there's been a lot of movement away from the you know the the typical pink and blue aisle. Um, I mean, do you think that these kinds of changes, like eliminating the the pink for girls section and the blue for boys toy sections, can make an impact not just on you know getting more girls interested in engineering and science, but just in generally how we grow up. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think that the pink and blue segregation has gotten worse and worse. Uh, I think it's worse now than it was when I was a kid. And I think that what I've read is toy companies do it on purpose because they sell twice as much stuff when something is distinctly boy versus girl. And so what I think is starting to happen is there's a groundswell of consumers who don't like that (laughs) and they want more sort of gender neutral options or at least options that don't put their kids in a bucket of of stereotypes. And so with Goldie Blocks, even though we keep saying engineering toy for girls, engineering toy for girls, uh, I can't tell you how many boys love playing with it and that makes my day. we're, we thought long and hard about coming up with a color palette that was bright and modern, had all different kinds of colors. We're working on introducing other characters of different ethnicities and boy characters, too. So I don't like the idea of propagating this uh, uh, this way uh, that the toy industry kind of splits things boy versus girl. Um, we're definitely trying to move more gender neutral and really encouraging boys to play with our toys too. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you whether you know there were thoughts about making a a Goldie Blocks more for for boys or just more gender neutral because I feel like when we talk about toys, a lot of the attention is focused on you know the, especially the pink princess stuff for girls, but obviously. There's crossover, too, where boys might be discouraged from playing with girls' toys as well. So so we might see a, a more gender-neutral or, or boy-oriented Goldie Blocks in the future? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I have watched many boys play with Goldie Blocks as it is in its current state, and they love it. Because um, it's not... It, it was designed to try and make engineering appealing to girls, and it does succeed in that and it works because it blends the storytelling component. But Goldie Blocks is not a toy where you're going to be building beauty parlors or salons or putting on makeup. The themes that happen are relevant to every kid, boy or girl. And the only thing that makes it girly, I guess, is that the main character happens to be a girl. But what I hope will start to happen with Goldie Blocks and is already starting to happen is... um, to develop kind of in the way where Harry Potter, the main character, is a boy, but girls and boys both love Harry Potter. Um, I'm hoping to build the same type of experience with Goldie Blocks. Um, there was a quote from an article when you were talking to, uh, to TechCrunch, and he said, we, as in Goldie Blocks, are now just one tiny box in a sea of pink plastic princesses. And just to sort of play devil's advocate for a moment for parents listening who might be thinking, well, 
what's so wrong with a sea of pink plastic princesses? What, what would you say to uh, to somebody like that? Well, I, I wouldn't say that there's anything wrong with it at all. Um, I don't want to be sounding like I'm the anti-princess lady, because <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> it's just more that there's so much of the same thing out there. And I every day I talk to parents who are just sick of the lack of variety and options. And so, and I hear a lot of parents whose daughters are, yeah, they're into the princess stuff, but they also like karate, you know, or they love drawing and um, they have other interests. And so I, my answer to them would just be um, that what I'm trying to do with, with Goldie Blocks is just to provide more options to girls. And in particular, give them a, a play experience that, that uh, really gets their wheels turning and challenges their minds um, and, and makes kind of being smart cool. Mm-hmm. Because we all know as a little girl growing up, it's cool to be pretty. But um, I want I want little girls to also know that it's cool to be smart. Um, Goldie Blocks has been phenomenally successful in a very short amount of time. It seems like you you start out from a Kickstarter and now you're in Toys R Us. Congratulations! Um, Thank you. Do you think that it's taken off so quickly because of that v- lack of variety issue that you bring up? That there's just that we need more basically from from toy companies. Yeah, I think so. I think um, it, it's just really exploded overnight. Uh, we race to keep up with the demand every day. And I, I think it is because it really has, it's striking a chord with a lot of parents out there who uh, maybe kind of were used to going to the toy store every day, kind of resigned to the fact that their daughter was into the princess stuff, maybe hoping that she'd be interested in other things, but suddenly realizing how is she going to develop other interests when there's nothing else offered to her? So I think it's really scratching an itch. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what is what's next aside from keeping up with the ever increasing demand? Uh, what, what's next on the horizon for Goldie Blocks? So we are working so hard to expand the line. I mean, we have one product out on the market right now, Goldie Blocks and the Spinning Machine. And um, it's been our plan all along to develop it into a series. So uh, we're quickly working on expanding into new stories where Goldie goes on new adventures. We meet some of her new friends, I was saying, um, showing some uh, ethnic diversity in the brand, bringing in some new pieces, new engineering designs, new things to build, um, just Getting, and we're just getting better and better as we learn. <laughs> so we've made a lot of improvements to the existing product and working on, on creating more. And um, the other thing that we're about to launch that I'm really excited about is series videos where we're going to be showing all of the things that you can build with the toy beyond just the ribbon belt drive that we highlight in the first product. It's a construction toy. And so you can put it together in an infinite number of ways. And we're, we're really excited about opening that up to the community and kind of seeing what our, our girls and boys are building with the, with the set. Yeah, it sounds very cool. Um, well, for listeners out there who have kids and are probably now wondering where they can go to get Goldie Blocks, uh, where, where can people go to find out more info, to go buy Goldie Blocks, all of that stuff? 
So um, our website, goldieblocks.com, G-O-L-D-I-E-B-L-O-X.com, is where you can get all the info. Uh, we have a store locator there, so you can check and see what kind of local mom-pop stores, if you want to support your local stores. Those are all listed on our website. Um, we also sell the toy on our website if you want to support Goldie Blocks. And then online, um, Amazon.com carries it, as well as um, we're also in every Toys R Us now uh, across the country. So plenty of options. <laughs> Sounds like it. Um, well, those are all of the questions that I had for you. Is there anything that I didn't touch on specifically that you would like to to add? Any any final words for listeners or anything like that? Well, I guess the last thing I didn't specifically say it, but I guess I'll just mention it as a closing thought, is really around the importance and opportunity for Goldie Blocks to be a role model. Because there are so few female engineers, but we know how important role models are for kids and and for adults, too. Um, I'm really hoping that Goldie can kind of be a hero for little girls and boys to really show that a little girl can be more more than a princess and uh, build whatever she wants and show how fun and cool engineering really is. Well, you're also serving as a role model, as a female entrepreneur. So um, I really want to thank you for talking to me this afternoon. And um, I know that our listeners are going to be really excited to learn more about this because I heard about Goldie Blocks from our listeners, from people writing in saying, have you heard about this toy? You have to do a podcast about it. So um, I'm really glad that we were able to chat today. So huge thanks again to Debbie for taking time out to chat with me about Goldie Blocks. Uh, it, things are very busy right now in the best possible kind of way for the company. And, and even though, like I said at the, the top of the interview, I'd, we, we've never done any kind of product, real product-focused podcast, except, I guess, for the Lego Friends, but that was taking a much more critical eye towards a product. Um, but since it's something that really struck a chord with a lot of listeners and brought up so many different points that we've talked about in the podcast before, and because she's a female entrepreneur who is being really successful, uh, wanted to chat with her. So big thanks to Debbie for that, and keep an eye out for Goldie Blocks. I'm kind of curious to play with Goldie Blocks myself. I'm not going to lie. Um, so let us know your thoughts. What did you think about uh, this idea of creating a, a toy for girls to really foster those science, math, engineering, technology kinds of, of things? Do you think that toys like this are important for girls to see and girls to have and play with and for boys as well? Let us know your thoughts. What, what do you think, Caroline? I I think that uh, I know what I'm getting my niece for Christmas. Boom. Boom. There you go. Well, you can write to us at momstuffatdiscovery.com. You can also tweet us at momstuffpodcast or leave us a note on Facebook. And we've got a couple of notes to share. And now back to our letters. So, Caroline, I've got a couple of way back letters on an episode that we did on filial piety. I think the the episode was called, Are Chinese Children More, More Loyal to Their Parents? And even though we did it a while ago, sometimes we, we don't, we can't get to all of the listener mail. Lickety split. And these were a couple that I wanted to share. 
Well, I've got one here from Hazel who says, I grew up with a tiger mom, although she wasn't quite as hardcore as Amy Chua. And we actually have a great relationship now that I'm an adult. As a Korean, the virtue of filial piety has been drummed into me ever since I was a kid. But I think it only works when the devotion goes both ways. Just as Korean children are expected to respect and obey their parents, in Confucianism, it is also the parents' responsibility to do everything they can for their children. My parents sacrificed a lot during my childhood to make sure I grew up with a good education. They've always loved my brother and me and supported us, even if sometimes we didn't properly appreciate everything they did for us. Parental dedication to one's children is just as much of a virtue in Confucianism as filial piety. It is because our parents do so much for us that we have a responsibility to be grateful towards them and take care of them in their old age, just as they did for us during our childhood. Also, you guys mentioned that many stories in China about filial piety are about men, but the most famous Korean story about filial piety is about a daughter. It's the story of Shim Chung, who sold herself to a bunch of men who wanted to use her as a sacrifice to the sea god. In return, they gave her enough money to buy 300 bags of rice, which she donated to the Buddhist temple so they would pray for her blind father to regain his eyesight. Basically, she was willing to kill herself on the off chance that her father might be cured by her sacrifice. She is flung into the sea but doesn't die. Eventually, she ends up married to a prince, but even then, she thinks first of her father and searches for him far and wide until she finally finds him. And then he is miraculously cured of his blindness. Not exactly a feminist tale, but even in modern times, she is held up as an ideal of filial piety in Korea. So thank you for sharing the story, Hazel. And I've got one here from Annie, and she writes, I would say that although I'm American-born, I do feel that I have more responsibility towards my parents. This would be culturally true because I think Asian immigrant parents value education above all as a means to gain a better life. They would deem their success as parents if their children surpassed them in education and being able to be fully equipped to make a better life for themselves. Although a typical American childhood may consist of movies and sleepovers, Asian families tend to be very private and are very focused in building up a family. As kids, I'm the first of four children. Growing up, I remember us living jammed into a one-bedroom apartment in Brooklyn and living off food stamps. My parents never went on vacations, never ate out, and although we never got hugs or literally I've never heard the words I love you from my parents, I without a doubt know that they do because they sacrifice so much working long hours for low wages in order to buy us our favorite kinds of foods prepared at the dinner table. Our understanding of love is not in words, but in the tangible benefits of giving their children the best chances at succeeding in life. I'm thankful for the way I've been raised and being Asian American. I think it's always interesting to realize what parts of me are Chinese and which are American. They're sometimes so completely opposite. Thanks for your podcast, Anna. And thanks to everybody who's written in. MomStuffAtDiscovery.com is where you can send your letters. You can follow us on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast and like us on Facebook and follow us on Tumblr as well at StuffMomNeverToldYou.tumblr.com. And, of course, we're on YouTube as well. Coming at you four times a week, you should check out our videos. We are at YouTube.com slash StuffMomNeverToldYou. And don't forget to subscribe. And thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. 